All right. Well, I think I'm just going to close in prayer after that. That was amazing. They pretty much sang, you just sang the message actually. So uh, it's just going to, you're going to hear it all over again, maybe in a different format, in a different way. 250 feet high, almost 80 meters, two Three Hills Towers stacked on each other. Walk to the edge of that and then jump. This is the Corinth Canal. And this is my wife. She jumped the Corinth Canal. Yeah. She's the crazy one of the two of us. You probably know that already. Um, I'm like the kind of guy, maybe just, I like to have my feet on the ground, right? A little bit of stability, a little bit, you know. Uh, but I, I, did, uh, I did actually walk out on the bridge of the Corinth Canal and lean over the edge so I could get a video of her bungee jumping the Corinth Canal. Um, which I told her later, actually, I was the brave one because I wasn't strapped into anything on that bridge leaning over. She at least had a bungee, you know, she was safe. So uh, no applause needed, I know, thank you, uh, good. But yeah, she, she jumped that uh, a number of years ago. You know, some of us uh, by nature are risk takers. Uh, some of us aren't. Some of us by nature are thrill seekers. Some of us aren't thrill seekers. Um, we kind of like just to have, you know, we like to calculate. Uh, we like to uh, do the research, have the information, and just know where stability is, right? But here's the interesting thing regarding the Corinth Canal. I'm going to give you a bunch of kind of useless information for your life. But uh, the company that runs the Corinth Canal bungee jump is called Zulu Bungee. And they've been in business since 1991. And they've been running the bungee jump at the Corinth Canal since 2002. And not once in the history of the company has there ever been an accident or a fatality. They are, it is 100%, given the history, 100% safe. Which actually means this, if you're the kind of person that, you know, isn't a thrill seeker, you're, you're like, I'm a safety guy, or I like to calculate, I like to know, I like to have proof, I like to have evidence. It is more dangerous for you to go drive to Costco in the city than to jump the Corinth Canal, okay? So if you're kind of the safety person, right? It is more dangerous for you to get on a plane and fly to Greece than it is to jump the Corinth Canal. But here's what I know about some of us. It doesn't matter how much proof, how much information, how much evidence, how much you give me calculations. Some of us are just not jumping the Corinth Canal no matter what, are we? Doesn't matter how much information. The only thing, the only thing that would get us to jump is not this need for new or more information. What we need and would need is more faith. To not only have the information, but to trust the information. And here's the thing, you'll never jump the Corinth Canal without faith. And not only is faith necessary and needed for jumping, a bungee jumping, faith is actually essential for life. You exercise faith every day and you don't maybe you don't even think about it, but you do. Like you exercise faith when you came to church today. You got in the car and you drove, did you know the vehicle was gonna stop when you hit the brake? Did you double check the mechanics work this morning before you got in the vehicle? And even if you did and you redid the brakes before you came to church, because you're just that kind of person, you would have had to exercise faith in yourself 
to trust the work that you had just done. And you exercised faith. And you're like, I didn't drive to church. I'm not a faith person. I walk. You exercised faith when you came into the building and you trusted the engineers did their job and that those pillars are going to hold that up back there, right? And the roof's not going to cave in, right? You, we exercised faith. And now maybe when we did the research, but there is no amount of research or information or anything that, that can cause us. At some point, we have to step out and exercise faith. Faith is essential for life, but not only is faith essential for life, it is also essential for the Christian life. The writer of Hebrews tells us that without faith, you and I can't. It is impossible for us to please God. And maybe some of you are like, well, I'm not comfortable with that. What the writer is not saying is that you need to have blind faith. God never God never calls us to blind faith. He always gives us evidence and, and, and information and, 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 and we have what we need, but at some point we have to exercise faith. In fact, Jeremiah the prophet wrote this, uh, quoting God for the people of Israel. He says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. God is not playing a divine game of hide and seek like, hey, you gotta find me, but uh, I'm not showing myself. No, he has given us information. He has given us proof. He has given us evidence of himself. But at some point, even with the evidence, he is gonna call us out to step out. And that's gonna require faith. And I bet in your life, wherever you're at on the journey, that there's some barriers to you stepping out in faith. And maybe for you, one of your barriers or your obstacles to be like, I, I don't know, like I just, you, you, you're gonna need faith to step over. Maybe the barrier for you is pain. And you've journeyed through some pain or you've watched your loved one journey through some pain and you just can't, and you're not sure how to reconcile a God who calls himself loving and good with what you've experienced in the pain you've had to journey. And that's an obstacle to your faith. And you may be tempted, I just need more information. I, God, I need you to show up. I need more evidence. I need more proof before, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna push you a bit today. What you may need is not more information. What you may need is, is a dose of faith. Maybe for you, the obstacle, maybe you're like Nathaniel last week. As he, he just had these questions like, Nazareth, I, I just don't know. I can't make sense of this. I need more information. And maybe you're that kind of person that says, there's, there's gotta be more evidence. God's gotta show up to me in a new or unique way. And I just don't know if I can step out in faith until, and I don't know if you're ever gonna have enough information, are you? At some point, what you may need is just more faith. And maybe for you, the obstacle, maybe you've been journeying with Jesus. You're like, I've already put my faith in Jesus. But maybe for you, the obstacle for you in the next step of your faith is something called surrender. And there's some pieces and some parts of your life that you're like, God, you can have. But there's some pieces and some parts of your life that you're holding with a closed hand. And God is calling you to surrender. And you're just not sure you can. And we're tempted in, in times like this to say, well, if God would just, if you just give me more information, if there'd just be more evidence, maybe then I would. But I wanna suggest maybe what we need is just a dose of faith. You'll never jump Corinth Canal. And you'll never follow Jesus unless you exercise faith. See, here's why. Because faith 
It has a way of going beyond answers and information. And again, I'm not saying you, I'm not saying blind faith. We never, no, God always gives us information and answers. But faith has a way of going beyond the answers and beyond the information. Here's what faith says. Faith says, I will trust you with what I know and with what I can see, but I will also trust you with the things I don't yet know and the things I can't yet see. Faith says, I can see some things and there's evidence for some things and I'll trust you with what I can see and what I can know, but there's some things I don't yet know and some things I can't yet see, but I will trust you. It will go beyond the answer's information. I will trust you in the things I can't yet see and the things I don't yet know. Well, as we continue in our series, Simon says, who are you following? We're gonna look at this whole idea of faith, both the centrality of faith to the Christian life, but also the difficulty. Because if you're anything like me, faith is just hard sometimes. And it's a challenge. And undoubtedly, as we go back to last week where Jesus invited us, he said, just come and see. You don't believe yet, it's okay. You don't have to believe to come and see. Just come and see, come and experience me. Come and get to know me, come and follow me. But undoubtedly, as we begin to come and see and we get to know Jesus and we didn't have to believe to start, along the way, he's gonna say, would you trust me? Would you put your faith in me? And we're gonna say, I need some more answers and I need more, some more information. He says, no, 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 no. But I want you to put your faith in me. And there's gonna be obstacles and there's gonna be a challenge. And we're gonna look at what some of those obstacles and challenges are. And then at the end, we're gonna look at not only what grows or builds our faith, we're also gonna look at something that destroys our faith. And interestingly enough, they're one and the same thing. So if you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse one. Now we're gonna look at a story and we're gonna look at this hopefully through a kind of a new lens through this idea of faith. Um, it's a story if you've been in church or you, you know, grew up once going to church, you probably heard this story or a version of this story. It's the story of Abraham, also known as Abram. He had kind of two names. God changes names. He does that sometimes. So Abraham and, and Sarah, and, 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 it, and we're going to look at the challenge that he met as it related to faith. So starting in verse one, we're told that the Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. And what he says immediately at the beginning, he says, oh, by the way, I want you to go. I want you to go and leave all the things that give you stability and security and the things that you know. This is already a challenge, right? I mean, I'm guessing that he liked his country and he liked his people and his father's household. Some of you are like, hey, if God asked me to leave my family, there's some people in my family I'd be okay with leaving, right? So, but I'm guessing he liked them. This was all of his kids. Don't look at your parents, okay? So this is all, this is all of his stability, all that he knows. And God says, I want you to leave it all. And then by the way, I'm gonna take you to a land, but I'm not telling you where. I'll just tell you, guys, husbands, men in the room, don't try this at home, okay? This is Abraham's story. This is not your story, okay? If you come home tonight and you're like, honey, we're moving, pack the bags, we're leaving tomorrow. And she's like, where are we going? And you're like, I don't know, but when I get there, I think I'll know. She'll say, have a great trip. You'll enjoy that one on your own, right? So, so don't try this at home, but this is what he called. Just leave everything, what's comfortable, what you know, what's secure, what you can calculate, 
But you can research and go to a place where you don't know. I'm not telling you yet. And then God makes this unbelievable promise. He says, and I will make you into a great nation and I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna make your name great and you will be a blessing. I mean, this is a huge promise. He says, your descendants are gonna form this massive nation. You're just gonna be this massive nation. And on top of that, I'm gonna bless you, which probably means you're gonna be really wealthy. And on top of that, you're gonna be famous. I mean, who wouldn't want God to show up and be like, here's some promises. Your descendants, you're gonna be this great, amazing nation and you're gonna be rich and you're gonna be famous. People will know you everywhere around the world. And then he goes on, on top of all that, I'm gonna bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I'll curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, which means this. God says, I, the divine, will be your personal bodyguard, right? It's like someone trash talks you, don't worry, I got them, right? Someone says some good things about you. Hey, I'll give them some good things. God is like, he has given them this amazing promise. (laughs) But there's one wrinkle in the plan. The next verse tells us that Abraham, Abram was 75 years old when God made this promise. And he had no kids. And his wife, Sarah, you can do the math if you read the story, is 10 years younger, he's, she's 65 years old. Now, I don't know many 75-year-olds and 65-year-olds that are like, hey, you know what? Let's just go to a new place, away from where we know anyone, where there's security and comfort, just because we can. And I don't, even if there are some that do that, I don't know many 75 and 65-year-olds that look at each other one day and say, honey, we should start a family. <laughs> right? I mean... This is, this is going to be, although an amazing promise, God, you're going to have to show up. Well, as the story goes, and we're going to skip through some, some things, 11 years have passed. Now, if there's one obstacle to faith, if there is one thing that is a great resistance to our belief and trust in God, Time has a way of wearing our faith down, doesn't it? And oh, what we felt so sure about yesterday, we can doubt so certainly today. And what we were so sure about last week, we can crumble under the weight of this week. And what we were sure God was calling us into last year, suddenly a year passes and time has this way like water dripping that can make a hole in a rock and form a new stream. It has a way of just wearing down our faith, doesn't it? And Abraham and Sarah haven't just been waiting like a week or two. It's been 11 years. He's 86 years old. She's 76 years old. And there is still no child. And Abraham comes to God. He says, oh God, you just showed up to me and you want to have a conversation, but I got some things to tell you. And he starts struggling and wrestling with his faith. He says, God, I don't have a child and you made this promise. And it's a great promise. But your promise is useless if I don't have a child and I'm going to have to give my inheritance to my slave. And he's wrestling with God. And God shows up in the wrestle, in the struggle. And I bet you've had some wrestles with God. And time has kind of worn down on you. And God comes and he reaffirms. And he took him outside and he said, look, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. And Abram's like, ah, you got me again. I just always lose track. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And what Abraham does in response is the example 
of what God calls all of us, all of us to do in response to the resistance, the blockade, the barrier to our faith. Here's what Abram does. It's unbelievable, 86 years old. Abram believed the Lord and God in turn credited it, the belief. He credited it to him as rightness. This is unbelievable. In the, in the face of all that's coming against him, Abram put that all aside and said, I will take the trust. I will take the step of faith and I will trust you, God. I will believe that what you say is true. And God in return does something amazing. And God says, all of your sin and all that you've done wrong and all the ways that you're wrong before me and you can't get to me, I will remove it all. You get a clean slate with me. You are declared right in my eyes. I see you as righteous. And do you know that today we are declared righteous in the exact same way? That it is only when we put our faith, our belief in Jesus, that our sin is also removed. And God looks at us and he says, because of your faith, because you believed in me, because of my grace, I will just count you as right. Wow. You are saved by a gift of God extended to you that simply by putting your faith in Jesus, you are declared righteous before him. But it's still a challenge because Abram's 86 years old and he still has no children. And we see the wrestle and the struggle of faith as the story continues. In the next chapter, we're told now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children and the promise was you're gonna have a child through Sarah. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. And so she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. It's kind of his fault. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? It's a true story. And we can read something like this and we're like, what? That's just wrong. And we can get all hard on Sarah. Like, why would she respond? Like, why didn't she just have faith? What's wrong with her and Abram? But before we get too hard on her, I want you to describe a little bit of the pressure that I think Sarah was under. And it may give us a little bit of compassion to her situation. I don't know that us men will ever understand the weight and pressure and pain that women experience who want to have a family and can't. There is a depth of pain we men will never understand. And I don't even know if the women in the room who are able to have children will understand. There is a level of pain that Sarah had been carrying. She's 76 years old. She's been carrying this pain for over 50 years. On top of that, God showed up 11 years ago and made a promise saying, you're gonna have a child and it's gonna be through Sarah. And she's waited 11 years on top of the 41 years before that uh, with this promise and she can't have a child. On top of all that, we live in a culture today where it's quite acceptable for women to not have families. But that was not the case in ancient times. There was a pressure for women to have children. It was a disgrace. 
And Sarah has been carrying not only the weight, but also the disgrace of her situation for over 50 years. Not only is she carrying the internal pressure, but there's external pressure. It is because of her that her husband, whom she loves and looks to, can't have the promise God made to him fulfilled. And she's watching her husband for 11 years, hanging on to a thread of faith that he barely can hang on to. And she's the barrier that keeps the fulfillment of the promise to him. And suddenly we have a little compassion for her, don't we? Add to all of that. As far as I'm concerned, I think that we today have far more information, uh, 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 proof, evidence for the person of God than they did. The Old Testament had not yet been written. The commandments given to Moses had not yet been given. Jesus had not yet shown up on the earth and we know the Father. Jesus came to show us, to reveal the Father to us. God became flesh. So I don't know what they all knew about God, but they most definitely didn't have the 10 commandments written. I don't even know if they knew this was wrong, but undoubtedly, culturally, there was nothing wrong with what, with what they did. This was acceptable. If you couldn't have a child and have a family through you, it was just acceptable. You have the child through the maidservant and that would become your child. It, it, culturally, there was nothing wrong with this. And we don't know if theologically, biblically, they knew there was anything wrong with this because we don't know if, the, if they knew that God had said, don't do this. But here's why it was wrong for them. Even if they didn't have the Bible and they didn't have the Old Testament and they didn't have the law, here's why it was wrong. Because they did this act outside of faith. And anything done outside of faith is sin. This is what sin is. It's when we know what God has called us to, whatever it is, and we choose not, we choose to act in doubt rather than in faith. And Sarah and Abraham sinned because although maybe they didn't know it was morally wrong, God had said the promise is through Sarah and they chose not to act in faith, believing he would accomplish it. And I'll tell you what, if you read the story on, this brought about all kinds of pain for all those involved. It was pain for Sarah, it was pain for Abraham, it was pain for Hagar, undoubtedly, it was pain for Ishmael, who was the child that would be born because Abraham would follow the advice, it was pain for the nations that they would have and bring up, and there's been generations of pain. I've been thinking about that, and I wonder, as I look at my life, and I bet as you look at yours, some of the greatest pain that you've caused yourself that wasn't the result of others, but things that you have done, if you look back at them, they were probably done as an act of doubt rather than an act of faith in God. Where you chose to say, God, I know you're kind of calling me or you kind of have this, but I'm gonna choose to do it my way. But here's the beauty. God in his grace, and one of the things I love about God, our Father, almost the most, is he is a God who redeems even pain, he would redeem them. But you can see faith is a struggle, isn't it? And time has a way of wearing us down. 
Well, more time would pass. We're told that when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him again. He said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. <laughs> 24 years, 13 years after the Ishmael Hagar incident, right? God still hasn't shown up. And then God, I think this is, this is my guess. I'm guessing Abraham heard this from God. He's like, you're asking me to walk faithfully? How about you be faithful, God? Like you've been saying this is gonna happen, but you haven't shown up. You haven't been faithful to me. But God says, no, no, no. Just keep on believing. Hold on to that feeling, right? You've heard the song. Don't stop, believe. And Abram's like, I'm not feeling it anymore. The feeling's long gone, like 23 years ago. I don't know if I can hold on. God reaffirms the promise. He says, when, then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. And Abraham fell face down and he laughed. And he said to himself, will a, man, a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? He just couldn't believe it. The circumstance of waiting had worn down his face so much. But guess who wasn't laughing? God's not laughing. And a year later, Sarah has a baby. They name him Isaac and it's this amazing moment. And if it was a Disney movie, it'd be like, and they lived happily ever after, right? But here's the thing about faith, because we're called to a relationship and a journey with Jesus. The call to faith never stops. And we step into one step and then he calls us to take another. And then he calls us to take another. And we'd think it would get easier as we get older, but it doesn't get easier because each step is a new step. It's the first step to that depth we've ever taken. <laughs> so God calls him to take another step. And 13 years later, we're told sometime, it happens to be 13 years later, God tested Abram. And I won't read the whole story for you. You can read it yourself uh, later in chapter 22 of Genesis. But it went like this. God said, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac, the promised child, the son of promise, and I want you to kill him. And we read that and we're like, what? God wants us to do child sacrifice. What's going on? It's like, did God want Abram actually to kill Isaac? The answer is no. What was God doing? Testing him. He didn't want him to actually do it. What God was doing is saying this, listen, I want you to take another step of faith. I asked you to trust me, to give you a child, the child of promise. And now I've given you the child, but I wanna know, have your hands clenched the child I've given you? Are you more about the control you have with the child you've been given than trusting me in the control I have? Are you willing to open your hands with the child of promise. And Abraham passed the test. He took his son, pulled out the knife. He was about to kill him. And an angel showed up and said, don't do it. It was just a test. And Abraham's like, whew. And then the angel said, now I know that you fear the Lord, which means this, you trust God. Your faith is in him. You're not willing to hold on to what he's given. You're holding it open-handed because your faith is in your father in heaven. And the angel said, look, there's this ram in the thicket and it's God's provision for you. And Abraham sacrificed the lamb in place of Isaac. And he called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And he worshiped and he praised God who had provided for him. 
But through all this, we see something, don't we? As it relates to faith and growing our faith, the test of faith is what grows our faith. And the test of faith is what challenges us and makes our faith go deeper. And so the question is this, will you respond by leaning into faith, leaning into the relationship with your heavenly father? Maybe somebody's like, what is faith? Here's, here's how the writer of Hebrews defines faith. And I'll kind of close here quickly. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, which means you haven't got it yet. No one hopes for what they already have. It means it's future-based. Faith is confidence in something that's gonna happen. And it's assurance. In other words, you can def- uh, this can be translated both assurance and evidence. It's evidence about what we do not see. This is why I said earlier, faith says, I will trust you in the things I know and can see, and I will trust you in the things I don't yet know and I can't yet see. This is faith. And when we step out in faith like that, it starts to grow our faith as resistance comes. So the question today I wanna leave you with is what are you gonna do when you come to the crossroads of faith and the challenges in front of you and there's resistance and there's a blockade and you're not sure and you're, you're tempted to say, if I just had more information and God's saying, yeah, but I don't know if information alone is gonna get you to take the step. At some place, what are you going to do? Are you going to lean in? Or are you going to fall out? I told you earlier that there's something that builds our faith and it happens to be the same thing that can destroy our faith. And it's this word, test. I'll give you an example. Jesus once told this parable but a sower who went out to sow seed. The seed sower was just throwing seed everywhere. He's throwing it on hard paths. He's throwing it in rocky soils. There's like thin layer of soil and just rock face underneath. He's throwing it into like weeds and thistles. He's throwing it on good land. Now, obviously only the seed that fell on good soil produced anything, but Jesus said regarding the rocky soil, he said what happened is the, the, the plant, the seed took, took root and grew really quickly. And then the sun came out and started beating down and scorching that plant and it withered just as quickly as it came up because it couldn't get beneath the rock. There was no soil there. And Jesus describes what this means to his disciples afterwards. What is this sun? What is this thing that kind of can destroy our faith? And here's what Jesus said. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they received the good news of Jesus. They were like, come and see. They're like, we're coming to see and we want to follow Jesus. We're all in. But suddenly things got hard because they started following Jesus. And their life wasn't all that easy and persecution and trouble and a test came. And they quickly fell because their root could not and would not go down. They came to the crossroads of faith and difficulty came and rather than leaning in and going deep, they fell out. But James, the brother of Jesus, says, you wanna know what grows your faith? And he said this, he said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, why would we consider it joy? Testing is good? No, but why would I be joyful about it? Here's why, because you know that the testing of your faith produces, and let's say it out loud, perseverance. The testing of your faith, when you respond at the crossroads of faith by leaning into Jesus, There is a depth, a perseverance 
that begins to work in you. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Your roots have gone down deep. See, the test of faith is what grows our faith. So would you step in? Would you lean in to your faith? I don't know where this message lands with you today. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what crossroads of faith you've come to in your life. Maybe you're on the front end of faith and you're like, come and see and I'm all excited and you kind of hit your first roadblock. You got baptized and all of a sudden things got hard. You stepped out and all of a sudden things got hard and you were so excited last month, last year, three years ago and suddenly it got hard and my question to you is, what are you gonna do at the crossroads of faith? Are you gonna lean in? Are you gonna fall out? And maybe you've been journeying with Jesus a whole long time and you're like, I came to see and I, I signed up, I'm following him, I believe in him. But along the journey of following him, we don't sign up to believe one day, it's believe again the next and the next and we follow again. And along the path, he says, would you go a little deeper? And you're at the crossroads of faith and he's asking you and you're not sure, I, I, maybe I need more answers or I need a little bit more proof. And he says, would you just trust me? And at the crossroads of faith, are you gonna take control and do it yourself and potentially cause all kinds of pain? Are you gonna lean in? I wanna look at three, three areas where we can lean in and maybe where you're struggling with faith today as it relates to the story of Abram. The first one was Abram was called to go, to leave what was secure and step into an unknown. In what ways maybe in your life is God calling you to step into an unknown? And you know he's calling you and it's like, it's a stretch. Maybe it's a ministry or leadership opportunity. You're like, God, you just gotta show up. You gotta give me more evidence. He's like, would you trust me? And there's a relationship with someone that God's been calling you to invest in, to share the gospel. And you're like, I don't know. And would you trust me? Maybe there's an opportunity to be generous. I don't know. Or you're like, I don't know how this is. But God is saying, would you lean in? Would you trust me? What area of your life is maybe God calling you to step into an unknown and... As Abram was called, you're at the crossroads of faith. I wanna invite you today, would you lean in? Another way Abram's faith was really tested and challenged was by waiting. I said earlier, if there's one thing that can wear us down and wither our faith, it is time. And maybe you've been praying a prayer for your kid or for a loved one who's sick or you got a health and, and you're not sure what the future holds. And you've been praying a long time and it's wearing you down. What would it look like for you to lean in? The crossroads of faith as you've been waiting, saying, God, how long, how long, oh Lord, do I have to keep waiting? God, when are you gonna show up? God, when are you gonna bring justice? God, when are you gonna make things right? God, how long, what would it look like for you to lean in? in the waiting. And then the third area, Abram was called what he'd been given, even a gift of the Lord, son of promise, to hold his son with open hands. What might God be calling you to surrender? Might even be a good thing, a gift that he gave you. But there's a 
tendency and you're seeing it where you're starting to hold that a little too tightly. What might it look like for you to release and lean into faith? Yeah, but God, what if you don't do it the way I want you to? It's an act of doubt. God, I'll trust the way you're gonna, you're gonna handle this. I can surrender it to you. I don't know what you've been faced with. I don't know what crossroads of faith you're at, but I wanna invite you today. Whatever it is, would you lean in? Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for your word as it encourages us and challenges us. And Father, I don't know where this lands, but I trust that your spirit has been speaking to each one of us, regardless of where we're at on the faith journey that you've been touching us and nudging us and you've been speaking to each one of us. And so Father, as we individually and corporately wrestle with what it looks like to be a church, to be a people, to be a person at the crossroads of faith, to be those who lean in, Father, would you give us discernment, each one individually now, discernment to know what it is you are calling very clearly for each one of us how you've been speaking to each one of us. Would you give us discernment to know what it would look like, what it would look like in theory to lean into you? And then Father, once you've made that clear, would you give us the courage? Because I'm convinced I can't do it on my own. I need your help. We can't do it on our own. We need your help. So would you give us the courage to then lean in, to take the step and trust you? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.